Independence Exeter City podcast. This is Grecian Talk with Ollie Heptinstall, Paul Martin and Paul Sussex. Welcome to this week's Grecian Talk, the independent Exeter City podcast. I'm Ollie Hepmanstall, and once again with me this week, my uh, um, Site co-commentator, Paul Martin. And also with us is X-Web's uh, Paul Sussex, also known as Hans for the show. Hello to you, Hans. Morning, Ollie. And uh, on this week's show, we're going to discuss uh, yesterday's uh, disappointing 2-1 defeat at home to Bristol Rovers in League 2. Um, we'll also... Um, look back on yesterday's action in League 2 including uh, a shock defeat for Gillingham at home to Rochdale and another a loss for Oxford as they uh, carry on their dire run now stretching back to six win uh, losses in a row we're also going to look ahead to our Tuesday night where next uh, go to London to take on Barnet and also on Saturday that big promotion match against Port Vale uh, back of the park. That's all coming up on Grecian Talk. Right, then we'll start as we uh, normally do on uh, Grecian Talk, and that's with a match report for, from yesterday's game. It was Exeter 1, Bristol Rovers 2, and here's the match report from uh, our very own Paul Martin. Another disappointing result for Exeter this afternoon. Their second 2-1 defeat in a week as they fall into defeat at the hands of Bristol Rovers who claimed their first league win of the season here at St James Park the first half was a good game actually full of good tempo but Bristol Rovers made a perfect start in only the fourth minute when a high hanging ball was really poorly dealt with by Craig Woodman and David Clarkson nipped in to score for the Pirates extra huffed and puffed and Alan Gow back in the team added some creativity but didn't get back into it until first half stoppage time when Jamie Curitan pounced from six yards to level for the home side second half saw a bit of a lull in the game but Bristol Rovers took the lead when a final solo effort from Elliot Richards beat Arta Krajdak at his near post with one that the Polish keeper will feel he should have done better with Esther perhaps could have got back into the game Danny Coles came close with a header and then Scott Bennett with a really bad, nasty looking injury perhaps took the sting out of the game in the second half Exeter finished the game with 10 men due to having made all their subs at the time of Bennett's injury best wish to Scott Bennett we'll hope it's not too bad and Exeter huffed and puffed but couldn't find their way back into it in the 6 minutes of injury time so a disappointing result here it's finished Exeter 1 Bristol Rovers 2 thanks very much for that Paul and uh, we'll start uh, this week's show uh, with Scott Bennett it looked a really nasty injury for him yesterday I'm not sure if you've got any updates on that one Hans he uh, went off to the RDE for an X-ray yesterday after after the match. Um, no fracture, which is absolutely excellent news. But the knee was quite swollen. I think he has problems bending it. So I think once the swelling goes down, um, they'll do another look on Monday uh, and assess again from there to see what the extent of the injury is. But it sounds like he's going to be out for um, a while. But it's not going to be as bad as we'd expected. I mean, you know, we keep talking on this show just about how well he's been doing, and this is quite a big blow, I think, to the team to lose him even for um, a couple of games. Yeah, it's a big loss, and we wish him well um, in his recovery. And uh, Paul, he's been a big player for us this season, hasn't he? And uh, I'm sure he'll be missed quite a bit by City. 
Yeah, he's been integral really to the start that we've had, I think. And even yesterday, I think it summed him up really the way he was sliding into the interceptions. There was one particular moment in the second half when he went sliding in for two challenges in a row and won them both cleanly and set up another attack. His passing yesterday was not quite as good as it, as accurate as it usually is, but still the, the sort of bite he gives to the midfield will be a real miss, I think. Yep, and uh, uh, Jamie Curiton, another goal for him, now seven for the season, and it's not even the end of September, Hans. Yep, that's excellent. Uh, keep this uh, up. There should be no problem with him getting 20 goals this season. I think I heard during the week that he, dis- he was disappointed he hadn't put any money on himself to be the golden boot for League 2. Um, I think the odds at the beginning of the season were 100 to 1. Um, Pope keeps scoring though, so it's going to be between Curitan and Pope, I think, for that uh, distinction. Yeah, but, um, Pope might well be snapped up in January, and that's not really likely to happen to Curitan. Um, Paul, should we be slightly worried, though, that we are slightly over-reliant on the veteran forward? Uh, I'm not sure just yet that we're over-reliant on him, because so far this year, the likes of Gowan O'Flynn have sort of stepped up to the plate as well and contributed vital goals at, in different matches. Um, if it carries on, like if Curitan is scoring the majority of the goals throughout the season, then perhaps maybe we'll be over-reliant on him, but... As long as someone's scoring goals, it doesn't really matter who. As long as the team is scoring enough goals to win matches, and if it's Curitan scoring all of them, then so be it, to be honest, I think. And with the likes of O'Flynn and waiting in the wings ready to step in as well, then I think we'll be all right. And I don't think at the moment we're too over-reliant on him. Yeah, and um, we'll stick with you, Paul, if we may. And um, it was a disappointing result yesterday, but Rovers, they looked a lot better than 23rd place, didn't they? Yeah, they they were all right, I thought. I was expecting them to be pretty terrible, really, based on their results so far this season. But no, I thought they played well, actually. They got a fairly solid defence, and uh, they got some decent players going forward. It was, uh, obviously, uh, the score of the winning goal was, that was a really good goal, some good skills and a good individual strike from him. And then they had Gill controlling the midfield. So no, I thought they were they were better than their position suggested, and they won't go down this year, I don't think. And one very relieved man from yesterday will be Bristol Rover manager Mark McGee. Um, Hans, City might well have saved his job. Very probably. I think we might have cost um, at least one manager his job this season. I think uh, Mark will be over the uh, moon with the, the result. And um, it probably shows why Bristol Rovers were right to um, keep going with him despite uh, their situation towards the very bottom of the table. Um, it, is this a one-off for Bristol Rovers or is this the start of something better we've talked about Bristol Rovers have a decent budget and they should be a lot higher up in the table so after watching them over the couple of weeks maybe um, this is a t- their turning point yeah we'll keep an eye on them and I was uh, yeah I was quite impressed with them yesterday um, as for Alan Gow he was substituted wasn't he uh, in the second half yesterday it was slightly worrying how you know our performance declined when Gow went off is that something we should be worried about uh, Paul uh, perhaps yesterday it was anyway it was a bit like you say it was a bit ominous how the performance deteriorated but I think overall they've proved in the last couple of games they've picked up some decent results without him and um, I, th- I was quite surprised actually yesterday that it was O'Flynn that came on for Gao rather than someone like Kierhain because Gao was linking the midfield in the attack and when they put O'Flynn on there was no man to do that and it resorted to more sort of long ball stuff so perhaps if Kierhain had been given a bit longer in that sort of Gao role, I know he's not as good as Gao in that role, but it could perhaps have given Curitan a bit better service because Curitan and O'Flynn, Oxford aside, haven't really looked like gelling as a partnership yet. So I was quite surprised about the choice of substitution. But 
Um, I think we've coped well enough without Gal when he's been injured, and uh, so I don't think it's too much to worry about. Yeah, or maybe even uh, Bowser could have come on, couldn't he? Because uh, Hans, they've um, Bowser and O'Flynn have uh, sparked up quite a decent partnership so far this season. I was expecting to um, to have seen Bowser play yesterday, if only for um, five or ten minutes. You know, he's got some ability there, and uh, he can. Uh, change the game for uh, the better if he's got the right people to uh, to link into. Yep. Uh, Craig Woodman, it was another shaky display, wasn't it, by him yesterday, and he was at fault for the first goal. Is it time to start Jordan Moore-Taylor at left-back instead on a Tuesday night, Hans? I think that's a possibility. I've seen the Football League show, and both goals um, Woodman could and should have done better. Uh, Jordan Mortado in the um, games that he has played has been very effective. Uh, it's looking great for uh, an 18-year-old. It'd be interesting to see. Tisdale doesn't tend to change um, losing teams too much. It'd be interesting to see what he does with this. This is two games we've lost in a row now. We can't um, allow it to be three. So maybe he will have significant changes. You're never quite sure with Tisdale. Nope. Um, Arta Krajak got away with a gaff, didn't he, in the first half yesterday when he came out for a long ball and kind of prodded it into the path of um, Eves, whose finish was just as bad. Um, he really got away with that one, didn't he, Paul? Yeah, he got lucky with that. Um, I mean, it was one of the classic sort of, it was going back to his old way sort of thing, because he was under no pressure at all, it just slipped straight through his fingers, and yeah, I think everyone was expecting to see the net bulge and Rovers go 2-0 up, but yeah, he got away with that one. I think he could perhaps have done better with the second goal as well, I, I haven't seen like the replays of it, but seeing it live, it looked as if, well, he was beating it as near post, and I know it did bounce before him, just before him, I think, which makes it difficult, but it wasn't one of his better days yesterday, cries out, but he's done enough, I think, so far this year to keep his place for the moment anyway uh, Hans what do you think about the second goal I thought Krajak could have done better what about you it did look like um, he should have done better it was interesting that the commentary on the BBC said um, it was his mistake Matt Oakley though it was a little positive note I thought he was um, a lot better yesterday Matt Oakley a lot more assured in the um, right position which uh, Tisdale has played him in with the absence of uh, Liam Serkham. Do you agree with that one, Paul? Yeah, I think he was better yesterday. Obviously, everyone knows it's not his favoured position. It's, he's not at his most effective there. But I think yesterday he was sharper. He was knocking some nice passes, linking the play quite nicely. And uh, I think as long as Amankwa gets forward from right back to provide some pace on that right-hand side, and those two were linking up OK yesterday. So, um, yeah, he has looked a bit out of sorts there so far this year. But yesterday was a definite improvement. Yep, and uh, Tommy Doherty, I was impressed with him again yesterday, the hard-tackling midfielder. Uh, what did you think of him, Paul? Yeah, again, I'm, I'm with you on that. He's a, well, he's sort of nightmare to play against, I think. He's always snapping in and around your heels, and a nightmare to ref as well, I think. He's always having a word with the ref, but you want someone like that in your team, really, a nuisance to play against. And, uh, yeah, he's proved effective in that role so far, and I was impressed with him when he was at Wickham, and he seems to have uh, continued that into his city career, and hopefully he'll go on and have a successful season. Uh, anyway, we're going to move on now, and I'm going to discuss League Two. Um, it was another very nice day in League Two yesterday, wasn't it? Some shock scorelines as well. And the first one we'll talk about is at Priestfield, a shock result for Gillingham at the hands of Rochdale, who won 2-1 uh, there in Kent. And uh, Hans, is it merely a blip for table-topping Gillingham? 
I believe that it is a blip. Um, all good runs must come to an end at some stage. So yesterday that was for uh, Gillingham. I think there was uh, through the whole of the Football League there were some um, surprises, including, of course, uh, our, our, ours. Um, they're a long way ahead of us. So um, if they could lose a few more, um, that would be uh, great, I think, for uh, for us and uh, League Two. Yeah, that'd be excellent. And as for Rochdale, now managed by John Coleman, I believe, who went from Accrington last season. They're up to seventh now, and have got a decent team, haven't they? Um, Bobby Grant up front for them, um, the old Scunthorpe strikers, um, scoring quite a few goals for them. Uh, Paul, do you think they can mount a promotion bid? Well, they're in the same sort of boat with us, I suppose, in that they came down last year and looking to bounce straight back up this year. And I think you always look at the relegated sides to try and pose a threat at the top of the table, and Rochdale are definitely one of them. I mean, they were stuck in this league for ages before getting promoted a few years ago, and so they now they know what it takes to get promotion from this league, and I'm sure they'll have confidence to go and do it again. Whether they have the quality to do that or not, I'm not sure. I think playoffs would be a more realistic aim than automatic promotion, but they'd, they'd be there and thereabouts, I think. Yeah, OK. And as for uh, Rotherham, they got another win, didn't they, yesterday at home to Oxford, who slipped to their sixth successive defeat. Um, Rotherham, they're looking good at home, aren't they, this season at their new uh, New York Stadium, but they're yet to win away. And hence, it's always going to be um, hard to find it to challenge for promotion when you uh, rely so much on your home form. I think they are struggling a little bit. It was interesting that um, there were three Exeter Exeter City players from last season at that game and not a single one of them um, took part in that game. That's uh, O'Brien for Oxford and uh, Nards and Obes for uh, Rotherham. Um, Yeah, you've you've got to to kind of like make your own um, home games a fortress. but you've got to pick up your points away, which is, you know, kind of like it's a question of what Exeter is doing. Is this, you know, we don't have Fortress St. James's Park anymore, but we've got a reasonable away record. Um, I think Rotherham are, you know, they're, they're about, I think the 6-2 defeat they had the other week has uh, shaken things up a bit and maybe the noble uh, Evans argument um, or, or uh, slanging match has possibly done the um, the team some good. Yeah, and um, as for Oxford, it's really not looking good there at the Kassam, is it? It's a sixth successive league defeat for Oxford, and Paul, will Chris Wilder be the next manager to go? Well, if they keep the losing streak up, then it's possible. I think it could be a shootout between him and Mark McGee, because although Rovers won yesterday, whether they kick on and move on from there and get some more points on the board, I don't know, they're not out of the woods yet. And uh, one win might not be enough to ease the pressure on him either. So it's probably, at the moment, on current form anyway, it'll be, be between uh, Wilder and um, McGee. But, if yeah, as you say, if Oxford keep this losing run up, then he's going to definitely be a candidate for that. Yeah, and Torquay, they made a, well, a bit of a disappointing start for the season, haven't they? Um, they've only lost once in the league, but they've drawn so many games. I think they've drawn six matches in their opening nine games. Um, bit of a worry... Uh, for Torquay, is it, Paul? Uh, Hans, I beg your pardon? Well, we've only played nine games. Um, you know, whilst they're concerned about not winning, I think it's quite a positive thing that they're not losing. Um, they've just got to, you know, make up for the players that they've lost and the ability to uh, score a few more goals. I, I think, you know, when we play them in December, I think they'll, uh, they won't be too far away from us in the table. Yeah, they've lost uh, Union O'Kane, haven't they, in the summer, and they'll, I'm sure, rely on. Rene, how to get them goals there in uh, League 
2. Elsewhere in League 2, having a quick look through the results. Um, Fleetwood, they got another win, didn't they? At home to Barnet, who we'll talk about shortly. Um, Fleetwood looking good at the top uh, of the table, Paul. Yeah, they are, and they're, well, they were hotly tipped before the season, I think, I think, to sort of do a crawly and go straight through League 2. And it's a bit too early to say whether they'll do that or not, but they made a strong start. And, uh, well, you'd, you'd expect them to beat Barnet at home, I think, but they, they went and did that. And, they're, yeah, sitting third in the table, and they've made a great start to life in the Football League. And, uh, yeah, I think they'll be challenging up around the automatic slots at the end of the season. Yeah, and another um, team challenging for the top spots at the moment are Accrington. They've got another good win at AFC Wimbledon yesterday, and they're, they're looking very good, aren't they, Hans? Um, they are. I, I, I think people probably who went to the away game for Exeter, where we won comfortably, um, probably a little bit surprised by how well they're doing. They're now, you know, one point ahead of us in the uh, table. Um, they've obviously got something going right there. Yeah, they're doing very well. And whether whether they're going to be the real deal, though, whether they'll um, struggle, have a bit of a losing streak, um, we'll have a wait and see. Um, elsewhere in League 2 yesterday, Dagenham and Redbridge, they got an important win, didn't they? At home to a struggling Wickham. And, uh, yeah, uh, Dagenham now in 20th with 7 points. And that's an important result for them, isn't it, uh, Paul? Yeah, well, it was a sort of early season six-pointer, if you can call it that, because they were both struggling at the bottom of the league. And, yeah, it was a convincing win for them as well. 3-0 at home, it's a big win. And Wickham, as you say, really are struggling. And uh, no manager yet to appoint anyone to replace Gary Waddock. And at the moment, they're really having a bad time of it. I thought they were OK when they came to play Exeter at St James Park, but obviously they haven't replicated that form elsewhere. And they, they were slightly unlucky, I think, when they lost out to Exeter the other week. But obviously their general performances haven't been good enough, which is why they find themselves second bottom. Yeah, what do you think of uh, Wickham, Hans? Because um, they look, look like they've got a decent team, but obviously now Gareth Ainsworth isn't, cutting the mustard he didn't do that yesterday and uh, any manager comes in they've got a chance to get them back up to league one haven't they i would have thought so um it was interesting to see that uh, logan wasn't uh, in the team or in the squad yesterday i'm not quite sure what's happening there um you know they scored two goals at exeter i didn't think um scoring goals was a problem but to Score none at Dagenham and Redbridge, who um, that was their first win, a bit like Bristol Rovers. So finally, um, the teams at the bottom are beginning to um, get the wins. Um, I think Wickham um, will move up the table once they've appointed the manager and sorted out whatever the problems are. Yeah, and uh, Logan, you mentioned Richard Logan, wasn't in the team yesterday. He tweeted um, after the match, he said, I need some game time. So, well, if the new manager comes in, hopefully... Logie will get some game time there. Um, right then, we're going to move on now, and uh, we're going to preview Tuesday night's game against Barnet, struggling Barnet, of course, at Underhill. And uh, Paul, we'll start with you. It's surely a winnable game for Exeter. We should be winning away games like this. Well, you think so, but it's a sort of banana skin, isn't it? Barnet away, they've got two points from nine games, and they might see that as a potential winnable game for themselves as well, with Exeter on the back of that defeat yesterday. But if you're looking at the bigger picture and the season as a whole, you'd expect Exeter to go there and get three points. But uh, you can't be too complacent in games like that, and it's important they, they're switched on and uh, don't just take the three points for granted. Yeah, and there might well be a debut for um, former Fulham striker Collins John, who went to Barnet quite surprisingly... Um, last week so might well see his debut there at Underhill on Tuesday night and uh, Hans Barnett managed by former City player Mark Robson I believe they've had a really poor start to the season 
and uh, disappointing start. But do you think there could be a bit of an upset on Tuesday? I think we have to be very cautious. You know, we found out on Saturday that, um, you know, bottom of the table teams play in a particular style, um, hassleless over the pit, you know, all over the pitch, uh, fairly physical, don't give us any time. We do tend to struggle against those sort of teams. I would imagine um, Mark Robson will probably um, put his Barnet team out like that, um, to play like that. And I think, again, we could find this very hard. I think everyone just assumed that um, these two games would be a very easy six points. Um, at the moment, we might struggle to get just three points. So be, I think fans' expectations are, you know, all we've got to do is go to Underhill and um, turn up and we win. And it's not going to be like that at all. It's going to be really hard work. We've got some injuries which um, concerned nine games into the season. You know, we've had Gow out. Um, we're going to now lose Scott Bennett. I'm not sure when Liam Serkham is going to be back. Um, I think we need Liam to be around, um, you know, particularly in midfield. These uh, injuries are the ones that could uh, cost us at the end of the day. Yeah, Liam Serkham, an important player, of course, for City. And uh, on Tuesday night, we might well see... Um, Jonathan Fortune, Exeter City legend, of course, make his uh, appearance there for Barnet, who he's now playing for. So, um, yeah, look out for Jonathan Fortune on Tuesday night. Right then, can we have some predictions, please? Because we haven't done this so far, so I'd quite like to get this started. Can we start with you, Paul, your prediction for Tuesday night? Um, I'll go 2-0 extra, I think. And what about you, Hans? I think this could be our first goal as game of the season, 0-0. OK, I'll be bit optimistic i'll go for a 3-1 uh, away win for city and uh, well we'll have all the reaction from that barnet game on next week's uh, grecian talk right then we're going to move on again now and uh, we're going to preview uh, next saturday's big big game at the park is against port vale and uh, hans this is a real big game especially uh, considering port vale and their very good start they've had to the season Yep, it's also the um, tussle between the um, two of the leading goal scorers, uh, Pope and Curitan. Um, will they both be on the team sheet? Port Vale have got an excellent away record, 1-4, lost one. It's going to be an interesting day, um, busy day, because um, a lot of um, City fans will be at the Trust AGM in the morning before making the way up to the park. I think Port Vale are a good team that might work to our advantage in that um, they will give us a bit of um, time to play the game, to play our game. Um, I'm not sure whether they're a team that sits back and watches or um, whether, you know, and uses the counter-attack so um, I think I think we should be able to, um, to beat Port Vale but um, again you know, as I said about Barnet, we could really do with um, some of the injuries clearing up. Yeah, and we were going to have an interview, weren't we with um, the Trust Lawrence Overend on this week's show, but um, Hans, I believe you had some technical problems with that. Yeah, I completely, or the, the software completely mangled it. Our nine-minute interview turned into nine hours on the file, and there's nothing I could do to rescue it. It was an interesting conversation um, about where the AGM is, and um, that it was a good, you know, it's a, an important meeting for trust members to turn up to, because there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, and uh, hopefully we'll have a bit more trust uh, interviews on uh, Grishan Talk in the next few weeks. Paul? What about your um, um, thoughts ahead of uh, Saturday's match against Port Vale? Because Mickey Adams, he um, well, he went to Sheffield United, didn't he, from Port Vale, and didn't work out for him there. But it, it seems to work for him at Port Vale, doesn't it? 
Yeah, he's back in his second spell at the club. He has a good relationship with the people there, I think, and he's done well this season. I'm, I'm really looking forward to Saturday's game. Two of the best teams in League Two so far this year going head-to-head. It should be a good one, and uh, seen some good games already at St James Park this season, and I'm hoping that Saturday will follow suit. Yep, and uh, return to the park for Richard Duffy as well, Hans. Yes, um, I wonder how he'll get on looking after um, our new front line. Yeah, it'd be good to see him. I've not really taken too much notice of um, how he's been getting on, um, but he's uh, been playing and his team is doing well, second in the table. Yep, yeah, and uh, they've, have they still got those uh, money problems surrounding the club? Hans, I'm, I'm really had a look at that recently, but are they still in administration? They, they, they still have financial issues. I'm, I think they're, they're supposed to be a buyer. I'm not quite sure what the state of play is with um, the the new new um, management team coming in to uh, buy out Port Vale well I'm sure we'll update um, you all with that uh, next week we'll get a bit of info about that anyway um, right predictions please starting with you Hans uh, Exeter 4 Port Vale 3 4 goals for Curitan 3 for uh, Pope for Port Vale <laughs> and what about you uh, Paul uh, I'm, I too am hoping for a high scoring game but I'll go for a score draw 2 each I think ok it's a bit, bit difficult this one isn't it um I think I'll go for an Exeter win, um, 3-2 I think I'll go for, very much like the Wickham game, so 3-2 to Exeter, and uh, I think that's just about it for this week's Grecian Talk, isn't it? Um, my thanks to Paul Martin and Paul Sussex for their company this week. Um, oh, by the way, we're now on iTunes, so please subscribe to us there, we're at uh, we're Grecian Talk, so just search Grecian Talk in the iTunes store and then you'll be able to subscribe to us for free of course. And you can get all our latest shows on there as and when they're released. We're also on Mixcloud, by the way, mixcloud.com slash Grecian Talk, where you can also uh, listen to our shows. We're also on Twitter at Grecian Talk and Facebook, facebook.com slash Grecian Talk. Um, my thanks to Paul Martin and Paul Susk for their company. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time for more Grecian Talk. The music for the show is by Kevin McLeod. His website, incompetech.com.